Good morning, everybody. SF Live, episode number 57. My name's Kai Hoff, and I'm the CEO of the Sort Financial Group. In a few seconds, I'll be joined by Blaine Monaghan. He's the president and CEO of Fremont Gold. But uh, before then, I hope everybody had a great Canada Day yesterday. Make sure to follow us here on YouTube, on Twitter. Subscribe to our channel, and uh, most importantly, also use hashtag AskFRE, the company's ticker, for your questions today. We'll be chatting with Blaine for about 15-20 minutes, so make sure you get your questions in while we're talking live to Blaine, and we'll make sure to ask him directly. That's it from my end. Let's switch over to Mr. Blaine Monaghan. Blaine, how are you doing? I hope you had a great Canada Day yesterday. Uh, I'm doing great, Kai. I can't say my Canada Day was full of fireworks. I didn't log on to that uh, virtual firework that they were having, but yeah, it was a nice day. Very good. Yeah. Thank you. Well, weather-wise, like I think we crapped out here, to be honest. <laughs> here, here in Vancouver, like you're not too far from me here. You're in North Van as well, if I'm right. So the weather yesterday just wanted me to stay in bed and not barbecue, but uh, you know. <laughs> Here we I mean, are. Vir virtual fireworks didn't sound too appealing either, so I, I, yeah. I skipped on those. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, let's let, let's chat about Fremont Gold. Um, yeah. let's, let's talk about how you guys have been doing. You're obviously a bit of a retail story. You're probably one of the earlier stage companies we've had on the program. So it's a bit difficult to phrase questions like talk about like metallurgy and stuff. We're not there yet. Um, you you just announced the commencement of a trill program. Maybe that's a good start. Um, it's early, what is it now, July, uh, you announced, I think last week, you announced that you started? Yeah, we uh, so. announced the, the start June 25th, and we've completed three holes to date. We've actually submitted the uh, relevant intervals for those three holes for, for rush analysis. The drillers have taken a break, and they'll be starting up again July 8th, so drilling should be done by the end of July. Oh, fantastic. And uh, I was going to hope to ask you that question before any rock chip samples were visible. I'm sure you've been getting a lot of photos and stuff from, from site. But I was going to ask you, like, what's the plan? Like, what does success look like for you for Fremont Gold for the current pass of drilling? Because um, looking at the drill like schedule or like or you could, the targets that you have outlined in a previous press release, it's a bit all over the map. You're not targeting just one structure. Um, you're shooting for success here. Your early stage company, understandable. So what does success look like? Yeah, and, and I guess to back up, uh, I mean, we were very fortunate to acquire this project from Liberty Gold, and, and they were the one that did all that early stage exploration work to identify the targets and, and, and did the permitting and the bonding. So when we acquired it, uh, it was essentially a drill-ready project. Uh, we just had to look at it and, and try to make sense whether the, the, the sites that they had permitted made the best sense for us. Uh, we did a little rejigging with the help of Andy Wallace and Jamie Robinson, some of our members of our advisory board. So we permitted 20. We're going to drill from 10 of the sites. And yeah, I mean, we'll be drilling gold and soil anomalies that have been tested. We're going to be drilling deeper on all of the holes. Like, like most projects that haven't been drilled since the 90s, the drilling was shallow. So generally nothing in excess of 100. So each, each hole is going to go through 200 meters. I uh, will be looking to go deeper to test other stratigraphic targets that have the potential to host gold mineralization. We're going to be testing a fault. But yeah, to answer your question, I mean, it's it's each hole is almost testing a different sort of target. Uh, I, I'm very confident we're going to have success in this program. And what I wanted to do in this first this first phase of drilling was just demonstrate the success that's going to enable us to go back to with, with a much more aggressive phase two. And I think this program is going to do it. Okay, so the first 19 targets were like, are just setting you up for phase two now. Like you're going to hone down. Um, like how did you find, how did you define the targets? Let's talk about maybe the, the basics of exploration first. Sure. 
So, I mean, one of the advantages of acquiring uh, a past producer like Griffin is that there was a lot of data available. So this was uh, a Carlin mine that was, well, first discovered in the early 80s, first drilled in 88. It only saw 214 drill holes drilled, most of those delineating the deposits they ultimately mined. And it was only in production for two years in 98 and 99. Alta Gold, the past operator, went bankrupt. The you know gold was collapsing through 300. They had operational issues in another asset, and it hasn't been drilled since that time. But Liberty Gold, when they picked it up in 2012, they did a lot of that early stage exploration work, like the soils and the mapping and the geophysics, and they permitted and bonded it. So, a combination of the historical data from Alta Gold plus the data that Liberty Gold generated really helped identify the targets. And because we understand the deposit type, it's a Carlin, it's a Carlin deposit. It was a Carlin mine, so you really understand what you're looking for. And also, the people we have on the advisory board were quite helpful, also. Okay, so just and uh, coming back to my original question, so success, like what does a success or successful drill hole look look like for you in the, in this program? Yeah, so I, I think unless you really understand Carlin type deposits, the sort of intervals that would look like success for ours might not uh, set pulses racing. But I mean, what we're looking for here is near surface gold min oxide gold mineralization. So anywhere from, you know, uh, within 50 meters of surface and in intervals from 20 to 80 meters of say 0. 0.6 to in excess of a gram per ton gold that's oxidized. And that, that was the sort of typical profile that they were drilling at uh, at Griffin. So when they mined it, it was a strip ratio of, you know, 0.1 to 1. Uh, they had metallurgy, they had recoveries in the 80% range with a one-stage crush and even run of mine, it was 60%. And this was profitable at 300, 300 bucks an ounce gold. So, I mean, that type of operation, although those intervals don't look sexy, you put enough of them together and you can build volume, you could have a very robust operation that would be attractive to many different types of operators. No, and th those are typical grades for Nevada. So I think Marigold is mining with a cutoff of uh, 0.15, if I'm not mistaken, right? So that's their yeah, cutoff. They're, and, yeah, they're mining, point, and basically they're, yeah, their grade is 0.5. Yeah, 0.47, right. 0.5. Yeah. Something like that. So it's, it's really low and that's fine. Like what, what we want to see is like the longer interval, I think, of of that material. I think to, to put yeah. it together, the bulk potential, that's what you need to see. Um, so three uh, holes in the lab. How many how many holes was it in total? I think 19 I saw. Was that correct? Uh, we've permitted 20 drill sites, but we have selected 10 as priority drill, drilled targets to drill because we, we have limited the program to 10 holes. Uh, ten, to oh, 10 holes. Okay, got it. Because yeah. I saw like in, the, in that description, it came down to 19 or something like that. So, okay. And then, and then we permitted another one. That's right. Okay. So it went from 19 to 20. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. So we'll be drilling uh, 10 holes, 200, approximately 200 meters per hole, so about a 2,000 meter RC program. So we've completed three. Drillers are on a break. They'll start up again next week for the remaining seven. And so we, sh we should be done by the end of July. Okay. Uh, you, you bought the project from Pilot Gold slash Liberty Gold, subsidiary of Liberty now. Um, run us through the terms real quick. What kind of payments are upcoming? Is there anything uh, that should we be worried about in terms of cash? 
No. And, you know, that was a really important consideration when we were out there last year looking for new projects. So we, we picked up Cobb uh, Creek initially from Contact Gold in uh, October. Then we picked up Griffin from Liberty in December. So when we were out there looking for new projects last year, you know, first off, we were pivoting to more advanced stage gold projects. So we were looking for projects that had uh, current or historic resources or were past producers. Uh, had to have the potential in our minds to host at least a million ounces gold. Um, had to be in the western U.S. And, and, of course, almost all of them were in Nevada. And the terms had to be favorable. I mean, we've seen it time and time again where companies enter into deals and, you know, in, in their rush to acquire an asset, they might... They might enter into agreements that could be onerous or at the time didn't seem onerous, but then the markets turn against them and it can be difficult to raise the money to to advance the project. So one of the things we were really concerned about or really cognizant of, cognizant of also were the terms. So the terms, I think, for both Cobb and Griffin were very reasonable. So for Griffin, it's only 320000 US over four years. It's, it's more heavy on the share side. So we've already issued Liberty 2.5 million shares and on the first anniversary, we'll, we will issue them another number of shares that will bring their total ownership to 9.9%. And that's what Cal Everett, the CEO of, of Liberty, really wanted. He wanted to have a, a lot of exposure to Fremont in case we have success at Griffin. He wanted to make sure that if we do have success, it's something he can talk about to his shareholders. Has uh, Moira Smith at all helped out to position some of the drills or has she given you any, any input? Uh, well, Except for being supportive, no, but she would have been behind that input initially in their their program as far as the overseeing the exploration program and the permitting and, and bonding, et cetera. So I haven't heard uh, anything from her that uh, causes me any concerns. I, I just received positive messages from everybody at Liberty. No, that's good because if a cow wants success, like I think Mora can be really important as well. And you, you've oh, got a great technical team, don't get me wrong, but Mora yeah. is, is also really, really well regarded. And since she had the oh. project under her uh, fingers, right? Well, um, and absolutely, sure. and that's and that's why it's so great to get an asset from them because you, you don't you don't need to reinvent the wheel. You can trust the work that's been done. And I, I believe the, the potential was uh, absolutely apparent. It was just a project that really got orphaned in their portfolio. I mean, they. When they first acquired this, this was one of their more high-ranking properties. Then they got distracted by Kinsley and Goldstrike. Now they're 100% focused on Black Pine. And Cal is convinced they're going to be acquired. He's probably right. So he's been divesting all of his non-core assets, like Kinsley to New Placer Dome, Griffin to ourselves. He sold the Turkish asset. He sold a net profit interest in Rawhide. So he's been looking to crystallize and unlock all the value so he can direct it towards Black Pine. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, Griffin is like, if you look at the other stage projects they had in their portfolio, way too early stage. Even Gold Strike and, and Black Pine now is off to the races here as well. Um, let's talk about Cop Creek real quick while we're covering the exploration projects. What's the plan there? I think that's more on the back burner. You're still doing some early stage exploration work and you also have some permitting work to be done, correct? Yeah, I, I really like Cobb. It was the first uh, project that, that sort of met the criteria we were looking for. Um, I, again, I think the terms were quite reasonable. Um, when I look at Cobb, I, I think it's probably a year or two behind where Griffin is right now. I mean, obviously, you know, all that work had been done at Griffin. It was permitted and bonded. Whereas Cobb, it does have a historical resource. It has close to 200,000 ounces gold. 
um, but it's in a different deposit type, uh, a mesothermal orogenic vein system. We think it has better Carlin type potential. So what we need to do is do the type of work that uh, Liberty had done when they first went back into Griffin. We need to do the soils, the mapping, the geophysics. We need to approach it through the Carlin type lens to identify the targets and start the permitting process. So that, that could take us to do as far as the exploration and the permitting in a year or two, I would love to have the budget to do that right now, but we don't. Um, but it is something I would like to advance. What I, what I see happening ultimately is we're going to have success at Griffin. We'll continue to access more capital. Then I can carve out some budget to start that start that work at Cobb and get it ready because it's uh, it's it does warrant it does warrant a drill program absolutely. Yeah, fantastic. Let's talk about the financials and the cap structure itself. Like you mentioned, that you're sort of tight on cash. Um, most juniors are, unfortunately, especially early stage companies. Um, it seems like the tide is turning a little bit and and you got lucky raising money uh, in February before COVID really, really hit and before PDAC as well. Um, it seems like the PDAC curse was especially brutal this year, um, at least for a short period of time. And uh, tell us about the financing. You raised 1.4 million, 1.5 almost. Um, tell us a bit about it. Uh, who came in? Where was the interest coming from? Because you upsized as well. Yeah, so I mean... It's funny when we raised that money, it was a six cent unit with a full worn at 10 cents. And, and, and honestly, I wasn't too happy about the price. Uh, I think we really got beat up last year because we did have some assets. We, we had to we had some projects in and around McEwing's Gold Bar. Uh, we dropped Gold Bar. We sold Gold Canyon and we had to go back and uh, look to rebuild the portfolio. Hence our hunt for advanced stage gold projects last year. And honestly, when we were out there, you know, raising that money. I, I wish I had more time to market what we had, Cobb and Griffin, before we had to pull the trigger on the financing, but, but we didn't have that luxury. Yeah. So we initially went out there looking to raise a million. Uh, the interest was, was quite strong, I think, because of the terms, because it was a six cent and a full 10 cent warrant, I think was attractive when you looked at our team, uh, where we, our projects were located and, and the projects themselves. So we were able to increase it to 1.5, thankfully at the time. And that, you know, enabled us to be able to, to know that we had enough to fully fund that first phase drill program at Griffin. And obviously, since, uh, you know, since that March and PDAC curse and COVID, I mean, everything uh, obviously went into the toilet and now things are, are rip roaring. I mean, just up until a few months ago, I mean, things were just as bad as they ever had been, if not worse, in that nine year period. And things have changed on a dime. No, no, I'm really curious. Like, in, like I got a lot of questions in that regard lined up as well. Like, we're, we're going to get to that. But let's talk about the terms again, real quick. And like, the, you you issued six cent shares. The market really had you by the like, they had you. You were pretty much broke at the end of December. Looking at your financials, you had the marketable securities from McEwen, but that was pretty much it. Cash wise, you were pretty much dry. So the, so the market was able to dictate the terms, unfortunately. And it seems like you attracted a lot of investors that just dumped the shares as soon as they came free trading. I think, I think that's not entirely true. I think when you look at the volume and, you know, that, that money raised at uh, six cents, that was essentially 24, 25 million shares. So we, we haven't seen that many shares traded since they first became free trading. Uh, certainly there are some people that are going to take a profit when, when you're on a double, which we are right now. And I expect that we might even see some of those warrants coming in right now. But as far as most of the participants in that last financing, I, I, I consider them friendly. But yeah, anytime you're sitting on a double, you have to expect that you're going to see some shares sold. And, and that's prudent. I mean, I can't, I can't begrudge any shareholder that. That's why they invest in these companies. 
no that, that, that's fair like people got to make money as well right but uh, you can see like you you hit 14 cents and then the share price dropped below 10 cents again for for a few days and now you've been saved by the gold price obviously um we were talking about the warrants you said there might uh, be some exercising happening uh i asked you before like there's no acceleration clause or something in there that would force an exercise and uh, let, let's say the the market stays as it is we're at 1777 gold or something and everything's looking super dapper right or super uh positive that's the word i was looking for um what, what kind of money would you bring in uh if the warrants were exercised yeah that would bring in uh approximately 2.5 million dollars so and one okay. one of the you know it was actually um well designed the, the financing um as far and, and i had really no input on that um <laughs> You know, it was a full warrant. I don't really like a full warrant, obviously, but as you're saying, I mean, the market sort of had us by the short and curlies. <laughs> so, um, but one of the, the real smart things that the, the broker behind the financing suggested is, listen, we'll make it a full warrant, but we'll just make it for one year. So if you have success, it, they will get exercised. Otherwise, they're they're just going to disappear. So, and I and I think that's going to happen. I mean, we're you know we're drilling is underway. I think we're going to have results that meet markets' expectations, and for people to basically crystallize the value of the warrant, they're they're going to have to exercise them shortly. They wouldn't be able to sit on them for too long. No, I, it, actually, that is a very smart move. I didn't know that yeah. the twelve month uh, warrant was only for twelve months. That makes a lot yeah. of sense. So yeah. that that's going to help. Um, Cap structure real quick, you have 31, uh, sorry, 81 and a half million shares out roughly. Um, a lot of warrants just expired as well. So the cap structure is becoming a bit cleaner uh, almost monthly right now. Like, can you just give yeah. us a rundown and what, what investors can look forward to in terms of cap structure? Yeah, so we just had uh, approximately 5 million warrants expired June 30th. So those are now off the table. We were at 124, now we're at 119. And there's going to be a uh, similar amount uh, expire at the end of the year. Okay, so, so it's becoming cleaner. I like that personally. So yeah, because they're all that, 25 cent warrants, I think as well. Is that correct? Yeah, one this this was one was 25, one's 20. Okay. The 25 so one just expired. The next one will be 20, and then there will just be the the 25 million left at 10 cents, yeah. which I expect I do expect to get exercised. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. So you raised $1.48 million. Tell, run us through the use of proceeds for that. Yeah. And this gets back to your question when you're saying you're looking at our year-end financials. You could see we're basically out of money. Um, we were. I mean, insiders, we were no longer taking salaries. We had deferred salaries since August. So when you look at the money we raised, and we also you know, were making property agreements in the time when we had to put up hard cash. So we're taking loans from insiders to do that. So when you're looking at that approximately 1.5, I mean, a good chunk of that had to go back and pay accrued liabilities. And then, of course, we were budgeting 400,000 Canadian all in for that drill program. So right now we're sitting on about... Uh, Oh, I'd have to have to look, but between eight, eight and nine hundred thousand Canadian. So that will see us through to uh, the beginning of Q4. Okay. No, well, like you're an exploration company, so there shouldn't be a big shock to people that you have to raise money again at some point, right? So it's it's, it's part of the business. Um, what does the GNA look like right now? And uh, like, what's the obviously you're drilling, so let, let's take that out. But uh, yeah. like, what's the GNA look like? Uh, GNA all in right now is about sixty thousand a month. Okay. And uh, you, I noticed you have quite a few. Oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, and our man our management team is quite small. I mean, I, I'm the only full time employee. 
Uh, Dennis, the president, is uh, very much part-time. Clay Newton, our VP of Exploration, is, is part-time. Our CFO is part-time. Uh, and we have someone helping out on a part-time basis on IR, someone actually who I, I worked with when I was at Camplatz, which was acquired by Goldcorp for over $300 million in 2010. So our, our, our G&A on, on management salaries is quite attractive, and we don't actually pay uh, members of the board or their advisory board. Yeah, advisory board is a good point because I noticed a familiar face like Derek White on there. And uh, like I know he's busy with Ascot right now, and but he's an engineer. Like, what's what's the point let's i, I, I point him out because i know him personally as well like what's his what is his value attrition like and, and he's not getting paid though right so like what's the point of the advisory board you have yeah i i think it's almost like an extended board in the sense that i mean these people obviously don't have any sort of fiduciary duties they're just some additional voices trusted voices we can call upon people that we've established relationships that Say uh, Derek has a very strong relationship with Dennis, obviously Derek. And I know Derek going back a, a long time also. And, and, you know, he's a very successful, smart guy, not only on the engineering side, but, uh, you know, on the project side and evaluation side and, and capital market side. So he's just a sober voice. You can, can bounce ideas off. So that that's how I look at the advisory board is people that can add values and value in different ways. And like Andy Wallace, who, you know, is Mr. Nevada or Jamie Robinson, who used to be the exploration manager. Manager at Griffin and was behind one of those discoveries at Griffin, and of course Doug Hurst. So these are just all people that we can uh, bounce ideas off that might have influence in, in different areas that could help us achieve our goals. Okay, perfect. Coming back to the financing angle real quick, because there were a couple more questions. Obviously, you have to raise money again. Um, my point is, like, I've been hearing from a lot of companies that the phone is actually ringing off the hook and they're being offered a lot of money by brokers. And you had some good broker support in your previous round. What's that looking like right now? Are you more cautious? Are you waiting for some results to come in to hopefully raise at a higher level? Or uh, are you at that point like, ah, screw it, we'll just take any money that we can get at this point and uh, I'll raise at 10 cents again and with a half warrant at 15 or something? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it all depends how much you want to gamble. I mean, I, I, th I, I don't think I'd be in a hurry to raise right now just because because we don't need to. The program is fully funded. Uh, I mean, we have submitted those three holes for rush analysis, so we could have results sometime in July. Then we have the, the balance of the holes, which you could have sometime in August. Uh, I think we're, we're going to have success in this program. So, you know, if... Uh, if you are risk adverse, you would. If someone called you up right now and wanted to offer you the money, uh, you'd probably take it. But um, I'm, I'm also very cautious about who I want to be involved in the company um, and, and what their goals are. So for the right person, I mean, that might be something you might entertain. But uh, it's something I'm not really contemplating right now. Yeah. So if Soar Financial would call you, said Blaine, I got three million dollars for you, t uh, ten cents <laughs> with a full warrant at twenty, would you take it? For you, Kai? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, it's a per perfect P point made. And uh, let's, let's check that off. Um, we sort of actually hit our time limit already. I, I told you before, okay. like 20 minutes go by way too quick. Um, and oh. you mentioned like next upcoming catalyst. Let's summarize that real quick. Uh, what, what's up? What's next for, for Fremont? Yeah, so we just uh, finished the third hole the other day. I just received a picture from Clay and his truck dragging all the samples up to the lab. So, uh, and we have rushed those. So I, I would expect to see those uh, assays in the next, uh, say, two to three weeks. Uh, drilling will resume again July 8th. We gave the drillers the sort of July 4th week off. So drilling itself should be complete by the end of the month. 
and then see the balance of the holes sometime, uh, you know, late August, early September, depending on if we want to rush, rush, rush those ones also. But I think it was important to get these ones to the lab uh, too sweet. Fantastic. Blaine, thanks for coming on. Thanks for answering your thanks, questions guys. and thanks for appreciate running it. us through Fremont. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, everybody else, thanks for tuning in. Uh, thanks for watching. This was SF Live episode number 57 with Blaine Monahan, CEO and president of Fremont Gold. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube and Twitter channels, Spotify, Instagram as well. And uh, maybe just as a quick reminder, we are hosting the first virtual conference, SF Online, on July 8th. We got eight companies lined up, two fantastic keynote speakers, Marcus Busla and uh, Joe Mazumdar will be keynoting. So make sure to sign up at soarfinancial.com events and uh, stay tuned for more uh, we'll be back on monday or tuesday next week thank you so much blaine talk soon thanks guys